In this week's episode, I apologize in advance for talking about pro wrestling. We bat a little bit of cleanup on you too, and I tell you about some stuff that I've been watching, or rather, re-watching. That's what we're doing. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek coming to you from a very warm day in St. Louis. It's, uh, we're taking a turn toward the spring and summer. Most people are happy about that. I am sweaty and tired and a little winded, but I don't think that that's related. I think that's just because of my shoulder and back pain. Sometimes, uh, sometimes that gets to me, but I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't love warm weather. I know. I get it. I understand. I hear you. I just, I don't like warm weather. It, it's so warm. And I don't, I mean, if I, if I, I, I feel like, I feel like I should get to choose to be warm. Because I have the choice of whether or not to be cold. I mean, even if I have to go outside in snow or in subarctic temperatures, I'm, I'm going to put on a coat, and I'm going to get then into a car that is warm from the heater, and, yeah, like, being cold for an extended period of time is a choice for me. Being hot kind of isn't, even though, yes, I've got air conditioning and all that, especially when the temperatures first shift into warm weather. I, uh, I feel that all the time, no matter how cool the room I'm sitting in is. I'm uncomfortable, I'm sticky, I'm sweaty, and I'm gonna be that way for the next six months. That's that's just the reality of my life. I don't care for it. I know you probably love it, you sun-loving freak. Sorry I called you a sun-loving freak. I'm very upset. I, 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 uh, I'm uncomfortable here today. I think the cats are too. They've been a little bit lazy. And I, I know cats, but, I, they, you know... They they kind of I can tell when they're you know hot like I've seen them hot they're kind of they're just sitting around going hey it's it's fucking hot man what's the deal with this like it's my fault you know they're looking at me and meowing and stuff and like yeah I know I feel it too I'm sorry what what do you think I'm happy smelling like this I'm not sorry we'll get through it so I popped on the air conditioner today for a little bit it's in the 80s in St Louis. I popped on the air conditioner, which is not ready to be popped on yet. I haven't hosed off the outside unit. I haven't uh, changed the filter, all the stuff you're supposed to do. But it, it got hot, and I can't think. So so the, the air conditioner's on. It's fine. Every, it, it's going to be fine. Everything's fine. But uh, I just I don't, like, uh, I don't like hot weather that much. It only gets worse from here, by the way. The summer gets, you know, into the triple digits often in St. Louis, and... (sighs) Anyway, most of you are happy about it. I understand. Most of you are happy about it. I'm the one person (laughs) who's lamenting it. Uh, The other person who's lamenting it probably should move in with me. That's probably... (laughs) That's probably how it should go. Uh, Like, we could be miserable together in the summer. 
and just like never sit too close because like ah God, you're so warm I don't want <laughs> you sit over there like that's that's my ideal uh, partner <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're out there uh, d- email the show don't email the show don't email don't don't email the show to ask me out don't do that but uh, um, there are ways you can keep up with the show that are uh, safe for me that uh, I, I would encourage you to do uh, the show has a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com the show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com uh, if you like me and want to know more about me, there's a website over at uh, DerekBrink.com. It's mostly about my music career. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can check that out at DerekBrink.BandCamp.com. You can listen to it all and download it for absolutely free. All you do is put in zero as your purchase price, and you can have it. I won't even know that you took it. I don't collect your email. I would just love it if you loved it. If you want to email me about anything other than dating me, please feel free to do so at db at derekbrink.com. I reply to everybody who isn't mean to me in their emails. And of course, the show is available on all the podcasting apps. You're probably listening to it on one of them now. Uh, If it is not on your app of choice, please let me know. Probably somebody changed their rules and didn't tell me. I'll get it back there. So, uh, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about here. I'm going to talk about wrestling. Which is never a popular segment on the show, so why am I doing it? Excellent question. We just had WrestleMania this week. I'm not even going to give this its own segment, because I'm going to try to keep it short and just knock it out in a couple of minutes. Uh, Because those of you who don't like wrestling, at least it was in the intro when I got it out of the way, you know? And those of you who do like wrestling... uh, I guess you're going to be happy with it. Actually, you're not, you're not going to be happy with it because you're a wrestling fan, and wrestling fans hate everything. That's uh, <laughs> that's just how wrestling fans are. You can have something make all the sense in the world, and wrestling fans will want to burn down the stadium and uh, shoot everybody involved and certainly will tear each other apart for expressing a preference. Um the other week on the show, or I guess the other, a couple episodes ago, an episode, two episodes, I don't remember when, it was in the one where I talked about YouTube for a while, uh, which I'm going to do again in this episode, but whatever, uh, I, I recommended that people stop being defined by the things that they don't like. Uh, wrestling fans, goes double for you, because uh, <laughs> you're just a miserable bunch who hate the thing that you love, and I don't get it. Like, uh, you know, I'll... Uh, I'll come to that. I'll get to that. WrestleMania was this past weekend. For some reason, WrestleMania is now a two-day event. I don't love that, but it, it kind of works, you know. They do some matches one night, they do more matches the second night, and then you get to spend a bunch of time debating what your favorite match was, what should have main evented. How do you can how do you really classify the main event? Because there was a main event the first night, and a main event the second night, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, But they started doing that. I mean, really, the idea, I think, behind that was to save everybody a little bit of fatigue in the actual stadiums that they do WrestleMania in, because WrestleMania can be an all-day event with all the matches that they cram onto the card. So if you do two different nights, it at least breaks up the time a little bit, and people in the audience remain fresher, remain more hydrated, and all that stuff. So I, I think that's the theory, and that works for me. But you know what else works for me is just get it down to the good matches and put on a normal-length show. But whatever. 
I just, uh, I personally have trouble watching uh, too much wrestling back-to-back-to-back like that. And I think think that actually came out for a lot of people on this past uh, Monday when they did, you know, WrestleMania Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday, and then Monday Night Raw Monday. And the entire wrestling world seems to have hated Monday Night Raw, except for me. And I think some of that is the fatigue factor weighing in and people don't realize that that's a factor i think other people actually i think the the grand majority of people that you hear complaining about it just have heard that vince mcmahon is apparently booking some stuff again and they're mad because they heard a name they don't like uh regardless of the fact that all of the other names that they do like are still involved regardless of the fact that all the plots that they've been enjoying are still happening and are evolving and all of the players that they like are still playing and uh, all that stuff is still there, and is still the same. And regardless of the fact that, like, the Bloodline story that's been going for the past couple of years, uh, that started under Vince McMahon, and you love that, so not everything that he does sucks. But uh, uh, people heard that he's back doing stuff, and they're mad. If you were just mad about the fact that he's a repugnant person, and he's being allowed to book the company again, and nobody stopped him... Okay, that uh, I can I can get on board with that. I'm not going to stop watching because of that personally. Uh, if I stop watching everything that a, that a repugnant person is involved with making, there's nothing left to watch. But uh, uh, I, you know, yeah, I don't like Vince McMahon. I think he should have gone to jail for what he did. Much like a different guy who's on trial right now for a hush money payment. But uh, you know, whatever he didn't, he took his company back. Fine, whatever. I liked it when he was running it before, even though I didn't like him. I'm going to end up liking it now. I think the combination of hearing that piece of news that he was back doing stuff and also the fatigue factor of watching too much wrestling, too much of, in fact, the same wrestling for three days in a row just got to people on Monday. I think I, I think people don't realize that they needed a break. I didn't mean to get into all that right up front, but there, I did it. Vince McMahon's back, people are mad, and everybody is saying that this was the worst episode of Monday Night Raw ever. Wow, what short memories, because this was nowhere near the worst episode of Monday Night Raw ever. It wasn't even the worst Raw after Mania ever. In fact, Raw after Mania, very often not that great, just kind of fine, but people... People, for some reason, have built it up as this historic night every year in their minds, despite the fact that it rarely is. But uh, people, wrestling fans are nuts, and wrestling fans are furious right now. And part of the reason wrestling fans are furious is Vince McMahon. Part of it is the fatigue, folks. Part of it is that they read too much online. They pay too much attention to wrestling, quote-unquote, journalists, as though that's actually a thing. They listen to too much of that and and read too much of that. Wrestling fans, unplug. Unplug from that. Unfollow your Facebook groups. Stop listening to the podcast, especially the podcast by people who aren't actually wrestlers because they don't know any more than you do. Stop listening to that stuff. Stop reading that stuff. Watch the show. Just watch the show and don't do it plugged into a message board or similar. Watch the show. See if you enjoy it you might be surprised, because you might actually enjoy it, because I actually enjoyed it. And the hostility in my voice is there because I've had people shitting on me on the internet since I said that. And I'm going to get a couple emails on it, too, because wrestling fans are crazy. And they think that they're going to... If they didn't like it, then you're wrong to like it. That's They think they're going to change your mind to hate something. 
that they probably can't clearly articulate reasons that they hated other than to parrot something that they read online, probably from Sean Ross Sapp uh, of Fightful.com. Free uh, promo for you there, Sean. Uh, <laughs> I don't subscribe to his site. He's just the guy everybody quotes now because everybody hates Dave Meltzer, who was the previous guy that everybody quoted. Uh, free promo for Dave Meltzer, too, I guess. Whatever. I don't get paid by anybody. I can say what I like. <laughs> but uh, WrestleMania. Let me talk about WrestleMania. And I'm going to keep this as brief as I can. I had a lot of fun both nights of WrestleMania. Really, really did. Uh, there were matches I could have taken or, or, or left. Any of the mixed tag matches I didn't care about didn't matter to me. Uh, the women's tag match I thought was really sluggish and just not very... It just... Something was off about it. Which is weird because the, those were all really good performers in that match. It just seemed like they didn't quite mesh right. And like the match itself just felt off. You know, I like all those performers, but the match felt off. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's the extent of my criticism. Everything else was a lot of fun. I enjoyed seeing Pat Buck walk back in and beat the crap out of The Miz. That was fun. Uh, I even enjoyed seeing Shane McMahon come back and get his pop and then unfortunately get injured instead of also beating the crap out of The Miz. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, and boy, the internet's being mean about that, too. Shane McMahon came down to the ring got a, like, I think two moves in on, uh, The Miz, it did a kind of leapfrog thing, and, uh, tore his quad, tore his quad in his leg, which seems to run in the family. That happened to Vince McMahon storming down to the ring one year. But, uh, that is, by the way, the only joke I'm gonna make about it, because that's the only one I think you can make about it. Everybody else is being really mean to Shane McMahon about, you know, having gotten hurt but yeah, I, look, I, I enjoyed those beats. I enjoyed the, uh, I guess, in order of my favorite stuff. Uh, I had, like, sort of four matches that really stood out to me. I enjoyed the Intercontinental title match with uh, Gunther, uh, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. Sheamus, I'm so glad people are into Sheamus now and are understanding that he is one of the best wrestlers in the company. Like, he is, he's put on phenomenal matches for probably about ten years and he's finally getting his due, and I'm really happy about that. And that was, the Intercontinental title match was great. Um, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I was going to do this in order, but I want to talk about, I want to talk about the main, main event last. My, my fourth favorite match was the Intercontinental title match. My third favorite was Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. We're going to circle back to that. My second favorite match was uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the tag team title match, or tag team title belts, which uh, Sami and Kevin won, and the place went bananas, and the, rightfully so. That is, the storyline with Sami is the best storyline that's been going in the company for at least the last decade, and uh, just wow, it's been great. And it was great to see them get, you know, some fulfillment out of that and some resolution out of that and have a good time you know it it, it just it just it was just it was a, it was full fan service it was crowd pleasing it was great for Kevin and Sammy you could see the emotion on their faces yes i know it's scripted but people still get wrapped up in this including the people doing it especially the people doing it uh but yeah i just it was just a good a really good feel good moment and it was a great match with plenty of close calls and 
just guys beating the hell out of each other, because they do make real contact, folks, and it does hurt. Uh, it was it, just a great match, and all the emotion involved in it, it was fantastic. The only match that topped it for me was the match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, where uh, Rhea captured the women's title, the SmackDown women's title. Uh, that was a match that didn't have the best build going into it. It was just kind of so-so. It was like, well, it'll be fine, but there's not, not a lot of emotion going into this, you know? And then they went out there and they just put on an all-time classic. Match of the year candidate, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Just a great, great match with great twists and turns and you could see, like, on the at the end of the match, you could see, obviously, how happy Rhea was to have her championship. But, but they cut to the outside several times with Charlotte Flair sitting on the ground, kind of trying to keep a low p- profile. But she was smiling because she just had, like, that sort of proud mama bear look on her, just like, yeah, we did a good one there. And Rhea's got, getting her moment. This is, this, is, this is good. This is a good moment. You know, like, you can tell that Charlotte was happy about it, even in defeat, you know. Because that, people I don't think realize, that does still mean something to the uh, competitors. Even though they know if they're winning or losing going in, it still, like, means something to someone to have the belt. And you can see sometimes when someone is going out and they know that they're going to drop the title, you can see that they're reluctant to, to do it that, and that they would much rather not do it. You, you can kind of tell. Uh, but Charlotte looked proud and happy, and it was just a wonderful moment following an incredible match. If you go out of your way to see any match from WrestleMania, that should be the one. You should follow it up with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Uzos. Uh, let's talk about Roman Reigns and Cody. People got mad at the end of the Roman Reigns and Cody match because Roman Reigns won after the end of a at the end of a very grueling match with plenty of back and forth and lots of close calls. Roman Reigns won, which by the way, I've been saying for about a month and a half that when they finally faced off, Roman needs to win because uh, <laughs> I and uh, and lo and behold, he did because that's. Uh, Uh, As smart as wrestling fans are on a lot of stuff, it's clear that not many of them know what the hero's journey is. Uh, At some point in the hero's journey, it has to look like all hope is lost, and Cody hasn't had that as a performer. I know he was out of action for several months with a uh, torn pectoral, like just torn right off the bone. Had to get surgery, had to build back up from that. That happened when he was working out. That wasn't the result of a match. It, uh, he hasn't lost any matches, I don't think, not that I can recall. He's, he came in, was immediately put into upper echelon matches, has had a problem-free run, except for something that he did to himself in training. He's had, uh, like, uh, never an unpleasant, uh, an unpleasant night's sleep as a character. You know, he's just, he was just dropped right in, like, here's your new golden boy, here's your gift from God, is how he was immediately. And that guy needs to lose to make the journey mean anything. If he just comes in and is propelled right to the top, all right, I mean, that can work. That can work, but it, it, if you're going to do it that way, you really need a long, long, long time to build it. And they didn't take a long time. They took about a year. Which And that with several months of Cody not being there. They didn't do the Bill Goldberg build where he had like a 
win streak that audience members were keeping track of and they were super excited about, and then he got the title. They did, you know, this guy comes in, he just gets immediately dropped into a a winning position. We've decided that you love him, and he's going to get the title. That's, That's what they seem to be portraying. And then he didn't get the title, which now, now he's lost. Now he has something to come back from. Now he's tasted defeat, and he can say he earned it when he wins it at SummerSlam. He can build his way back, and he can... Part of the hero's journey is loss. Part of the hero's journey is things looking hopeless. And he lost at the event, and it really looks hopeless now, because after Monday Night Raw, Brock Lesnar turned on him and beat the crap out of him. He's got to deal with Brock Lesnar before he can get back to the title any time soon. Which was great. That's great writing. I'm sorry, that's great writing. That is the hero's journey. Wrestling fans are mad about it. They're mad about it because the guy who's the golden boy wasn't immediately handed the title. The guy who they just want to have the title wasn't immediately handed it. Who they were told that they're supposed to want to have the title. You know the last time the, the wrestling fans were told, Hey, this is your guy. This is your guy. You have to love him. That was Roman Reigns. And for years, he got nothing but booze. But Cody, for some reason, they did exactly the same thing. Hey, here's your guy made for this. You're supposed to love him. And everyone went, okay, wait, you're, you're giving him conflict? How dare you? I don't get it. I think it's great. I love the Roman Cody stuff. I'm really looking forward to Cody versus Brock. That's going to be an amazing match. They're going to put on a banger. I promise you that. It's going to be great. People are mad. People got mad at that. That was the last thing they, they saw at WrestleMania. And then the next night, we go into Monday Night Raw. And I wasn't reading the dirt sheets during Monday Night Raw. But people who were found out that Vince McMahon was backstage and sending out rewrites and sending out edits. And people got mad at that and immediately declared it the worst Raw ever. I, just watching the show... Saw the plot lines I wanted to see advance. There was more Roman and Cody. There was Brock and Cody. There was interaction between uh, Rey Mysterio and Austin Theory. That's going to be that's going to be a pretty fun little exchange, I think. I I I saw stuff I wanted to see. I saw logical continuations of what we saw the previous two nights, and I don't know what people are mad about. You know what people are mad about? They're mad that they know too much of how the sausage is made. Unplug, wrestling fans. Unplug. You'll have a good time. Stop defining yourself by the things that you don't like. We're 20 minutes into the show. I wanted to be done with that by the time we were 10 minutes in, but I kind of got into a thing. Sorry about that. I'll, uh, I'm sure that if you were interested in skipping the wrestling part, you looked at the time index on whatever you listen to this on. I had a lot of fun with WrestleMania. I thought it was great. I had a lot of fun with Monday Night Raw. I thought it was not great, not stellar, not amazing, but it was the third big show in a row, night, night after night, and it was fine. I basically had fun. I, 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 I don't know, man. I had a good time, and I don't really know why people 
didn't. I mean, and, and somebody's always not going to, but I seem to be in the vast minority of, of having still enjoyed it. By the way, uh, if, uh, you know, okay, Vince McMahon came back at Monday Night Raw, supposedly. Uh, he sold the company. He sold WWE on, uh, Sunday. Do you really think that when he's got a, a sale on the table, he wasn't involved in how it looked to the buyers in the days immediately preceding? You think he wasn't involved at WrestleMania? Just because you didn't hear the report? You think he wasn't probably involved in some of the build up to that? He was. It wasn't announced. People weren't told. It was probably by texts to Hunter. He had to be. He was selling the company. He knew what he wanted it to look like to get the sale. Just use your brain, wrestling fans. Stop using the brains of others who have podcasts like me. And start using your own. Start watching the show. Just watch the show. And stop defining yourself by the things you don't like. And if you don't like it, turn it off. There's a very simple answer to anything in life that you don't like. You simply stop looking at it. It's 2023. You have other options. You have other options for just wrestling, in fact. You don't have to read a book. You can watch a different promotion. There's tons out there. And some of it's for you, and some of it's for me. And when some of it is for me, and I'm on your particular Facebook page that's a private group that's number one, that their number one rule is stated, just be cool. And I say, I don't know, I thought it was pretty good. And then the dog pile happens to the point that the thread gets deleted. Unplug, folks. Stop defining yourself by the things that you don't like. Find something you like and enjoy it. That's what I did. That's what I did. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. I don't love Vince McMahon, I don't apologize for Vince McMahon, but I like a lot of those wrestlers, and I have a good time watching them. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start hating them and start doing things that are detrimental to their career, just because one guy's name is written on a thing that it wasn't written on the week before, but it probably should have been. Okay, that's the wrestling talk. Let's play a little bit of music, what do you say? Off my new album. Let's play something off of uh, uh, Third Act Problems, and then we'll we'll get into uh, the rest of the show. Gonna do an episode, uh, the next episode after this is gonna be me listening to Third Act Problems and talking over it, doing kind of a commentary track, talking about the influences of it and stuff like that. That'll be the next empty checking. But for now, let's listen to some of that music without me talking over it, for at least most of the song. Okay, we are going to do what I believe in baseball they refer to as batting cleanup. Although I don't really watch baseball, which isn't baseball's fault, really. Of the available sports, it's the one that I understand and probably find the least repellent. Uh, I could probably, if it was important to somebody, I could go to a baseball game and enjoy it. Probably. It'd still be hot, 
I don't like being hot. But, you know, I could probably, I could watch it on TV. The beer. Have a good time, probably. Just in case any of you who are already considering emailing to try to date me, uh, if, if baseball is important to you, I'm willing to change. Uh, I don't really know what batting cleanup is. Uh, I, I use it to uh, mean that I'm going to clean up, like, tie up some loose ends, which I don't really know what the loose ends would be in baseball. Uh, I, I assume that they're probably not... Finishing a thought from the previous week. I assume they're probably also not literally cleaning up. They're not, like, swinging at baseballs with mops. That'd be fun. I'd enjoy that sport. What the hell am I... Okay, look, I want to talk to you some more about you, too. I, I did an episode a couple of weeks ago that was a Fast Cash... FAST CASH! episode that was talking about the new U2 album, Songs of Surrender. And uh, uh, I stand by everything I said on that. My feelings on it have uh, only grown more fond, if anything. But uh, I've been on a U2 kick as a, as a result. I get on a U2 kick every now and again. The first U2 kick, or the last, the, the, the first, the first U2 kick I had, I don't remember. The last U2 kick that I was really on was at the start of the pandemic. I was just listening to them a lot as like comfort food. And uh, uh, now I'm, I'm kind of back there. I'm, I'm back in a U2 thing, uh, thanks to the release of that, uh, that, that, uh, Songs of Surrender album. By the way, my cousin, uh, Terry, uh, listened to the show. Thank you, Terry. Nice, I hope you're listening again. It's nice, it was nice to hear from you on that. Uh, he, uh, informed me that they're naming their albums Songs of after, uh, after the Psalms. In, you know, like in the Bible. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that makes some sense. However, I still, uh, the albums are starting to blend together for me, so I, I hope that they get out of that mode soon. I respect it, but, uh, let's... Honestly, if they had just named the albums Innocence, Experience, uh, Surrender, and Ascent, that would work better for me. Maybe I'll just start referring to them that way in my brain, and that'll help. I think I just solved my own problem. Who needs Bono and the Edge? I did it myself. That's probably gonna be the episode title. Any but, I've been on a U2 kick, and uh, along with that, I went out and bought Bono's book, his memoir they just put out, uh, I guess, last year, uh, called Surrender. Seems to be kind of a kind of a theme developing there. I uh, picked that up, and I watched the uh, uh, Disney Plus special that they did with David Letterman called uh, A Kind of Homecoming. Actually, is it A Kind of Homecoming or A Sort of Homecoming? You sit tight. I'm going to Google that. You two, a kind of homecoming. Uh, it is a sort of homecoming. Sorry. I can never never keep that kind of thing straight in my head. Uh, a sort of homecoming. That's a lyric in one of their songs, isn't it? Okay. Sorry. Uh, this is a mess. Sorry. <laughs> I should I should start again on this segment, but I'm not going to. Uh, I uh, that uh, that that thing that they did is uh, basically Bono and the Edge going back to Ireland in Dublin to perform some of the songs that are gonna show up on Songs of Surrender in that sort of style. Do the, like those versions of, the, of that song, of those songs, uh, with sort of a chamber music group. And for whatever reason, David Letterman was with them uh, hosting it. 
Personally, I think that's a missed opportunity. I think they should have gotten rid of, like, all the orchestra people and the other, like, choir musicians and stuff that they had with them. And instead, they should have done uh, just Bono and the Edge with an acoustic guitar and uh, uh, David Letterman uh, playing one of those uh, Cajon things that people play now, or Cajon, however you pronounce that, K-A-J-O-N. Uh, I, I think I think it's a missed opportunity that we didn't get that. Just Dave Dave Letterman doing auxiliary percussion for Bono and the Edge. I think that would have been brilliant. Uh, but I, I I watched that because it was intriguing to me. I wanted to see what you know. I mean, David Letterman. I will watch David Letterman interview a wall and have a good time with it. I just like that guy. Always have. He was always my late night guy of choice. Uh, Conan too. But I mean, Letterman was the first late night host I fell in love with. And I even watched him at the end of his career when he was doing almost anti-comedy in which he would come out and just do the same monologue a couple nights in a row just to see if anybody noticed, <laughs> and uh, uh, which was brilliant. It wasn't really entertaining, but it was brilliant. And uh, uh, yeah, just I, I love David Letterman. Uh, so I will watch him interview anybody, and he was interviewing a band that I really, really like, or at least the two most vocal members of it, historically. And perhaps the most integral members, although that's hard to say, because each member of U2, I mean, it's not... The, the, the sum of the parts, you know, makes the whole, you know? And I, I you do miss uh, Adam and Larry when they're not there. And the whole band wouldn't have happened if Larry hadn't put out an ad saying he was looking for musicians, you know? So it's it's hard to say that... Yeah, Adam and Larry unplug from the group easily, but when you've got when you've got a group and the two members that you're seeing are the lead guitarist and the lead vocalist, I mean, it's a lot like what The Who is. For some reason, by the grace of God, the two members of The Who we have left are the lead guitarist and the lead singer, and they're the principal songwriters, and, you know, that it kind of works the same with any band, and that's that's sort of what we got in this particular episode of uh, U2 Goes to Ireland with David Letterman. Um, but that said, Adam and Larry were missed from it, and you know the whole band together is a much more fun spectacle than just the two guys, even though I really enjoy the two guys. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, one of the things about watching A Sword of Homecoming was that uh, I it made me really want to see like a six-episode series that's just David Letterman walking around in Ireland trying to figure out Dublin. Like, I just want to see that travelogue now, because that was, like, that was the part that I enjoyed almost mo- more than, you know, the part with the parts with you two in it, was Letterman just walking around trying to buy a wheel of cheese and uh, <laughs> and visiting the 40-foot 40, the 40 thing that, watch the thing, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I wanted to see David Letterman just wandering around Ireland more. Like, that that was fun for me just in and of itself. I would have watched that anyway. But uh, to then, you know, also throw in U2 and see his reactions to the new versions of the song and see him be moved by it and him, you know, really kind of dig into this and enjoy time with these guys and enjoy learning about these guys. Uh, it, it, it was very well done. It was very good. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the thing that, this is a mild spoiler, I guess, but it's not, I mean, it doesn't change a lot for you. The piece of information that came out of it that I found the most fascinating was Letterman was interviewing Bono at one point and asked, uh, do you do you embarrass, ever embarrass the other members of U2? And Bono says, yeah. 
And it was one of those things where I just went, oh, Bono knows that about himself. That helps so much, you know? <laughs> and I like Bono. I'm on Bono's side, and I, I think he's got a really good heart. Bono might be the only person in the world who I genuinely think believes what he says. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love Bono. I adore Bono. But it is, you do sometimes real, realize that, wow, he's very, very Bono. And it just really helped to hear him say, yeah, I, I embarrass the band all the time. I get it. I know. I know that about myself, but it's, it is who I am, you know. It, it, was, it was just kind of a relief to go, oh, he does know. He does know what, how he comes across. That, that helps so much as, as a fan. Uh, it's stuff like that in the interviews. You just hear a lot of biographical information and a lot of background information. Uh, they, I was surprised by how deeply they dive into the uh, theology of what they do. Uh, not clubbing you over the head with it, but they talk about it and talk about, you know, yeah, we're, you know, faith is a very big part of what we do. And, yeah, they, they were very clear about that with David Letterman, of all people. Uh, and uh, I don't know what I mean by of all people. I, Letterman has the same human experience that we all do. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It just it resonated with me on a lot of levels. And if you haven't seen it, you should probably see it, especially if you're a U2 person or a David Letterman person. Or if you're both, hey, best of both worlds right there. That's what happened to me. I enjoyed it quite a bit. About an hour and a half of your time, I think. And it's, it's worth it. Uh, a sort of homecoming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Bono's book, Surrender. I'm not, uh, I'm not that deep into it, but, uh, I've been enjoying it. It sounds like Bono. Uh, although, sounds like Bono in almost the, almost the contrite version of Bono. Almost the, uh, kind of, well, I don't really want to talk about it, but uh, all right. You know, you've asked. I'm going to talk about it, but I, I you know, there, there's bigger things going on than me, but uh, all right, fine. Look. <laughs> and it just sort of, it, it seems, it almost seems like he, he wanted to rein in some of his Bono-ness, you know? Because, uh, uh, it, I mean, he doesn't dive into that, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got to do something about Africa. We've got to. We've got to do something about Africa. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there this week. I just know it's, I just know it's bad. We've just got to do something. We've just got to do something for Africa. For and about and with and to, we've got to do something with that whole area over there. And uh, also uh, uh, the Ukraine. We should also do something about Ukraine. I think, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's Africa and Ukraine. Let's let's do that. Yeah, he doesn't dive into that in the voice that he's writing the book in. It, but he does kind of. All right. Well, uh, here's here's what happened in my life. Here's 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 when my mother died, and that was very difficult. And I was young, uh, and I, I I don't know. We didn't talk about it much. You know, he's he's very kind of. It doesn't seem like he's ducking the question, but it seems like he doesn't love being asked, you know? And that's kind of an interesting read, you know? Especially when he's the one asking the question, you know? I mean, I'm sure he probably had somebody tidy it up. He at least had an editor, maybe a ghostwriter, who knows? But, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's Bono's voice in the in the book. If you've ever listened to interviews with him, it's it's he's coming across in it. Um... I was unprepared for, like I said, I'm not very deep into it. I'm maybe maybe about a sixth of the way, fifth or sixth of the way. And uh, uh, I was, I don't know a lot about Bono biographically, other than his real name is Paul Hewson, uh, which is just in my head forever. I know that. I know that his name is Paul Hewson. 
I also know that the Edge is David Evans. This is just information that lives in my brain for reasons I can't possibly fathom. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't know a lot about Bono as a person, so I, I you know, the, things here and there. But I've, I've been interested just to learn more about the guy. I did not know, I mean, it's very early in the book, I did not know that some biographical information about him, he uh, lost his mother when he was 14 years old, she died suddenly. Uh, and, like, it, it's just kind of an interesting thing that, like, I also lost my mother when I was 14 years old, and she died suddenly. Uh, he lost her, his mom in September. I lost mine in October, almost almost the same time of year. Uh, I mean, definitely the same time of year, but, like, probably within a couple of weeks. Uh, except uh, his was to the date, uh, or to the you know, month, or to the week, or whatever, uh, 20 years earlier. Like, it just, there, there were just a lot of parallels there that I kind of got into reading that part and went, this wasn't supposed to be hard. And, uh, <laughs> so it kind of started tugging at me there. And, uh, it just, it, you know, it, it's just always interesting when you see those little beats that like, oh, I, I've been there. And this guy that I really respect and, and who's, who I wish I could sing like, uh, it's, I, he's also been there. And that's kind of, that helps to know too, you know, and, uh. Uh, it's, it's a good read, and it's a, it's an interesting read of, sort of, you get a little bit of Bono's, sort of, you get sort of Bono's Ireland explained a little bit in it, and it really helps, it really helps you kind of understand some of their songs a little bit better, especially some of their latter year, uh, songs. I, uh, I definitely am getting a different vibe out of, uh, the Songs of Innocence, Songs of Experience, lyrics than I would have, uh, having not read the book. Uh, cause it, it just, yeah, it's just fleshing out some of what Bono's been talking about lately for me. And that's, it's, it's, it's a very good read. If you're a U2 fan, if you're not a U2 fan, that probably isn't for you. Cause you're, you're diving deep on one of the individuals. Uh, that's probably a much harder, you know, thing than just watching a documentary where, Maybe you don't love the band, but you can have fun watching them, you know, talk to... There are plenty of uh, performers out there whose work I don't care about at all that I even maybe don't like, but they're a good interview, you know, and I kind of enjoy, oh, I, I really like that person in an interview, or, or I really like when they do stuff on SNL, but I don't like their music. Uh, you know, like, I, there's plenty of people out there like that that, oh... If they did this all the time, I would be their biggest fan, but I don't really like their music, <laughs> you know? Like, stuff like that. Maybe you can watch the uh, sort of Homecoming uh, uh, movie, documentary, whatever it is. Maybe that's for you, but if you're not a U2 person, if you don't want to know more about Bono, not really worth your time to read Surrender, probably, uh, even though I'm sure he would appreciate the royalty. And wouldn't we all? Uh, it'd be nice to <laughs> get paid for anything. So uh, here's a little bit more of the music of my current album, which you can get for free or you can pay for if you want to. Uh, that's our little U2 catch-up. I, I think I did more time on wrestling, but whatever. <laughs> this, is, this is the show.
I also want to talk to you real quick about some stuff I've been watching lately. Uh, I haven't been watching really anything new lately. I mean, I guess that U2 documentary I talked about, but I haven't been diving deep any, into any of the series that I'm supposed to be <laughs> diving deep into. I'm watching stuff that are that's, you know, old favorites that I've watched a million times before already, and, you know... Uh, like, I've got, I've got a couple of friends who ask me, Hey, have you seen this yet? You should really check this out. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm re-watching Frasier again, and I can't do anything until that's finished. You know, like, that's <laughs> sort of where we are. That's not the thing that I'm going to talk about. I feel like I talk about Frasier every couple of episodes, and, uh, I don't, I don't need to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm watching, I've been watching a couple of things that just our old favorites that maybe I haven't talked about a lot on the show, at least not lately. One of those things is something that uh, a, a co-worker and friend of mine, hi Josh if you're listening, uh, reminded me of, and uh, I just sort of went, wow, it has really been a long time since I've seen that, and I want to dive back into it. And that's the short-lived Fox TV show Greg the Bunny, which had all of the pieces to be a great, long-running show. I was sure it was going to last for, you know, I mean, not forever, but for a few seasons. Seth Green was involved. Eugene Levy was involved. It had puppets doing adult stuff. It seemed to fit right in with the sort of family guy, American dad vibe that they go for. It had, it had Seth Green. Uh, you know, it seemed to make sense. It was going to, I was sure it was going to be huge. I think they aired six episodes of it before it was canceled. And, like, the DVD came out and had additional episodes that they didn't even bother putting on TV. And uh, it's one of those shows that the concept of it is a world where there are puppets living alongside humans. The puppets are fully sentient and, you know, they're alive and everything. And the puppets and humans that we are following are making a children's TV show. And the titular character, Greg the Bunny is the character that we're supposed to be invested most in. He's kind of a fish out of water. He's not really part of the entertainment world, but he gets a, a job on a kid's TV show, and it's him kind of adapting into that, and also just finding his way in this crazy old world alongside Seth Green and Eugene Levy. It's, uh, that's kind of it. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? And uh, the puppets, you know, yes, they're doing a kid's show, but it's, uh, the puppets themselves are very grown-up, very adult, and, uh, not filthy, but it's a grown-up humor, and, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like it should work, and for those of us who are in the audience for it, it works big time, but a lot of you have never heard of it, because <laughs> it, uh, had production problems from day one, uh, the guys who were writing the show wanted to go way uh, farther with it than the Fox people wanted them to. Like, the Fox people wanted them to rein it in and make it very broad humor, and they wanted to go much more indie humor with it and much more kind of out there and much more kind of... I don't want to say vulgar, but that's probably not a not exactly the wrong word for it. Uh, and you can kind of see that in the show. You can see the moments where, oh, that's a very... That's a very fun, very kind of kid, not kid-friendly, but very kind of light joke. Very, you know, very broad, very soft joke. And then there's other jokes where like, wow, I can't believe they got away with saying that, you know? And so there's a weird balance in the show that once you know it's there, you really see and you can tell that, oh, there are there are conflicting forces that are writing this, and they're, this was not going to last because those two forces were not going to be able to work together for very long. Like, that's what happened. 
but the stuff that is gold from it is incredibly gold. There is a lot on that show that you can't do now. There are characters that would have to be completely removed because it's just not... It's just a different time. I think that came out in the early 2000s, if memory serves. And uh, it's 2023 now, and there's some stuff in that that... I mean, probably even the creators who wanted to push the envelope go, yeah, I don't think I would do that now. You know, like, that's probably <laughs> that's probably the case. But uh, I love it. I love that show. I mean, even the stuff that, you know, is a product of its time, if you can, you know, if you can remove yourself from that and go, yeah, okay, but this was... 2002, you know, it's, it's a different thing, and they're, and they're making a joke, and it's not supposed to be hurtful, it's just a joke. You know, if you can approach it with that mindset, you're fine, you know, and most of us, I think, can. Uh, but, like, even that stuff, I think, still, you know, works if you're able to divorce yourself from what you now know in 2023, and how, and how you would now behave. Uh, just really funny stuff, and really, you know, like, like I said, edgy, but there's also some very light humor in it. There's a lot of heart. Like, people don't realize with stuff like that, stuff that is boundary-pushing, at the center of it, there's usually a lot of heart, too. Like, if you like Kevin Smith movies, yeah, he's talking about drugs and sex and whatever, and Jamie Hughes is doing the dance where he tucks his genitals from the Silence of the Lambs. Yes, that's all happening. But there's also a lot of heart and a lot of, you know, love for your friends and love for your family that comes out through a Kevin Smith project. And that's all over Grade the Bunny, too. There's some really great father-son stuff that happens in it uh, between Seth Rogen and uh, uh, Eugene Levy's characters who, are, who play father and son. And uh, there's some really good friend stuff that comes out in it. There's a lot of heart behind it, too. Between... Really hilarious jokes, and it's a it's 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 just a shame that Greg the Bunny didn't do more than it did and wasn't allowed to do more than it did. I really think it could have been one of those things that we'd all be talking about as like, oh yeah, that was a great era of television. Rather than, uh, oh you haven't seen it, hang on, I've got the DVD. You know, <laughs> like I I because it's not streaming on anything. I don't think you know. I, I it's I I wish there were more Greg the Bunny than there is. I could watch that all day. And, you know, just brought to light some other people from... I mean, other people involved with it. Sarah Silverman is involved with it. Uh, the guy... Oh, God, I've forgotten his name, and I feel terrible. But the guy who played the shitty warden in uh, Shawshank, uh, that guy <laughs> is in it and is great, by the way. Uh, Dina Waters, uh, sometimes known as Dina Spivey, is in it. She's fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm leaving out somebody huge, and I can't remember who it is. But, I mean, just brought to light that, oh, I know that person from something else, or I didn't realize that I knew that person. Like, the guy who also played the warden in Shawshank, I didn't know that that was the same guy until years ago I listened to the commentary track, and I went, oh, yeah, it is, because he looks so different, you know? <laughs> and he's playing such a different role. Uh, it just really kind of brought to light some actors and actresses that... I wouldn't have been familiar with if I hadn't watched that show and who I've kind of kept tabs on since, you know? I mean, I think I probably still would have, uh, you know, Sarah Silverman still would have eventually found her way into my periphery, but... Greg the Bunny, if you got a chance to track that down, if it, if it is streaming on something, check it out there. If not, it's worth tracking down the DVD on eBay or something. Or there may still be some on Amazon, for all I know, but... 
Just a great show and really funny. The other great show that I've been watching that's really funny is a personal favorite of mine. The uh, And I've talked about it before on this show, but it's been a while. Uh, the British sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf has about 12, 13 seasons out there. But it's another one of those things that you either know it and, and love it, or you maybe have heard of it and never seen it, or you have never heard of it and never seen it. Like, it's, it's, it's still kind of a niche. Niche? Niche. Niche. Niche? It's a, it's a small audience. It's, it doesn't have, here in the States, it doesn't have, uh, it's not, you know, it's not a household uh, name of a show here in the States. You either know it or you don't, kind of. Uh, the basic plot of it is the last human being alive was in suspended animation during a cataclysmic event and is woken up three million years in the future and... His only companions are the ships... He's on a spaceship, by the way, because it's sci-fi, uh, but also comedy. The on, his only companions are the ship's uh, computer, a hologram simulation of his dead bunkmate, who he hated, and a life form that evolved from the ship's cat, who is a humanoid cat, basically. When we start, those are his only companions. More people come in and out of the story as the show goes on. Started in like 1988, I think it was, and it has it. They put out a special, like a, a a new movie, kind of at the start of the pandemic. Like it's still going. They're still doing new stuff. It's uh, but you know it's British, so there's like six episodes, and then three years and nothing, and then they get back together and do a new series. So it's it's like that. That's how British television works for whatever reason. It's frustrating to the American audience, but that's just how it is. Uh, I love it. I fell in love with it as a kid uh, when I didn't get all the jokes, because there's <laughs> some definitely some grown-up humor in there. But I, I fell in love with it as a kid, just like, oh, there's these funny British guys who are doing funny stuff in space. I get it. You know, I like this. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I remember, like, staying up late because for some reason they would always play it during PBS pledge drives. And they'd play, like, a full season of it during a PBS pledge drive. And I remember staying up late to watch that and recording it on a VCR and watching it back and over and over again and wearing out the tape. And I remember, I remember being so excited as an adult when it finally hit DVD, you know, and, like, season one and two came out. I was like, oh, I got to get those. You know, and I've I've picked up every DVD or now into Blu-ray since and still have them and still watch them. And there's some personal connection to that that I won't get into that I'm sure I did in other episodes. But there there's some personal reasons I love it too. But I just, I fell in love with it as a kid and I still love it as an adult. It still makes me laugh. It still makes me smile. I still notice things on rewatches that I haven't noticed in the past. And uh, I'm I'm deep into my rewatch. I'm uh, actually after I'm done recording this tonight, I'm gonna watch uh, at least part of season nine. Uh, well, no, hang on, sorry, season eight. There technically is no season nine. Uh, there's uh, season eight, and then there's a movie, and then there's season ten. They decided to skip season nine, which in the movie they refer to as the best season ever, and you'll never see it. So that's a pretty good joke. Uh, but anyway, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm at season eight, which might be my favorite season, just because it's one of those that I was old enough to get everything and understand everything, and I'd been looking forward to it, and it was really funny, and it was good, and, you know, um, I, it, it's, 
it's just one of those shows that, again, you either know it and you get it, or you don't and you don't, you know? <laughs> and um, I love it, and it's out there on streaming services. I'm sure it's on BritBox. I think it's a couple other places if you look for it. Or if you're like me, you have all the DVDs and Blu-rays and you're wearing them out because it's great and it reminds you... It, it, it just feels like home to watch that show. And that's, that's kind of that's kind of great, and that's what rewatches are, and that's why I do so much rewatching because, yeah, I've seen this before. Of course I've seen this before, but seeing it again, it's kind of like, oh, this feels good. This feels nice. And there are times that I don't pay that much attention to it. It's on in the background for background noise while I'm doing something else, when I'm rewatching anything, not just this show. But there are other times where like, oh, I remember this episode. I want to pay a lot of attention to this episode and watch all of it. Or there are times where, you know, I really need some comfort and I really need to just kind of unplug and and just focus in on something nice and funny and that feels comfortable for me and feels like home. I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch a season of this and I'm going to pay attention to everything. I'm going to put the phone in a different room and I'm just going to watch this for the next couple hours, you know? And and I, I, I don't know, man. That's what... I mean, so many people don't get it when when you're a rewatcher of stuff and you know so many people well why are you rewatching something you've already seen it who cares you uh, like what are you getting from that i'm getting a lot and those people are out there people who don't don't understand a rewatch and i don't understand them they probably also hate wrestling brought the whole show f- full circle there how'd you like that those of you who skipped over the wrestling part cody losing to roman made sense uh red dwarf Greg the Bunny. Check them both out if you can. Both might be tall orders for some of you streaming folks. But they both mean a lot to me, and they both have made me very happy in the past couple of weeks. And I'll be honest with you, the last couple of weeks have kind of been hard. And uh, it's just been kind of nice to have some old favorites to get me through that. Hope you've got your own old favorites that get you through the hard weeks too. guess that's it that's uh that's fanfare for you well i guess that's it <laughs> it's, it's been a couple weeks since i've done an, an episode a proper episode of this show sorry about that i i forgot how these go uh thanks checkmates for listening the next time we get together and do this i'll do a full episode and it'll be me listening to my most recent album third act problems which is available at derekbrink.bandcamp.com and i'll be talking about some of the influences at their end to kind of tie it into the whole vibe of the show, the whole here's pop culture stuff I think you should like. I'll, uh, I'll be talking about you know, some of the influences, some of the other bands that I was listening to that influenced the album. I'll be talking about some of the guitars I used and stuff like that. It'll be a good time. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, some of you, maybe this will be your first one of those. I've done several of those as I've released new albums over the years, and I enjoy doing them. Uh, even if, you know, I can see where those episodes aren't for everybody. I have a good time doing them. I think you'll have a good time hearing it. 
uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've been looking forward to that for a while. So that's, that's going to be fun for me. Especially because I haven't uh, actually listened to the album for a few weeks. Like, when you record a new album, when you're working on an album, it's all you're listening to until it's done. And then you kind of put it out there and you just stop listening to it for a while. Because yeah, it's done and it's out there and you don't have to listen to it anymore. Now it's everybody else's turn, you know. Uh, so I've not listened to it for a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to hearing it again and, and sort of, uh, judging myself, uh, as, as many of you who have already downloaded it are doing. Uh, that'll be fun for me, and I think it'll be fun for you. Uh, this was fun for me. It's been, you know, like I said, a rough couple of weeks, and, uh, I even took last week off from doing the show and released a, you know, brief upload explaining that, like, hey, I'm, I'm worn out, and I can't do it right now, <laughs> you know, and... I'll be honest with you, when I sat down to do this tonight, I was thinking, I'm worn out, and I kind of don't want to do this right now, but I guess I will, you know. And I ended up having fun. Part of it is just the, you know, podcast voice that I put on with the, hey, everybody, you know, a little bit more up and whatnot. That's that's part of it. I mean, you you just, when you change your demeanor like that purposely, it rubs off on, rubs off on you a little bit, and you kind of... You know, you raise your own mood by just, like, pretending that you're having fun. <laughs> Sometimes you end up uh, having fun. Uh, so, you know, there is something to that. I don't recommend it as your primary form of therapy, but uh, it does kind of... It did raise my spirits here tonight, so thank you for letting me do this. It's beneficial for me. I hope it's in some way beneficial for you, too, when you listen to it. Uh, and every now and again, I get a nice email from somebody that tells me that it was, and that really means the world to me. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I would prefer that you email me, rather than, you know, asking for dates, which I am repeatedly prompting during this episode. Sorry, been a little tired lately, <laughs> and in my head it's funny. Uh, thanks so much, Checkmates, for listening. We'll get back together again here soon, and I'll give you more stuff to listen to, assuming nothing bad happens to me. Uh, for those of you who listen to the show waiting for cat updates, by the way, my two sweet boys have been sleeping very near to me this whole time as I've been recording the show. I've got Jonko asleep here on the counter right in front of me, looking all cute, and I've got his cute brother curled up in a chair behind me. Just, just a little ball of Maguire over there. They are the best boys. The two best boys. No other boys need to compete. Don't even get in the competition, because these two, they're the best. So there's your cat update to close the show. Thanks a lot, Checkmates. Please remember, uh, and I got a reminder of this, by the way, because I had to, uh, I, I came into contact with somebody who came into contact with COVID recently. So um, remember to be careful about your health. Take care of yourself. Take care of everybody else. Do do what you should be doing still, because there's still stuff out there that uh, we need to be careful about. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Well, COVID-19 is still real, and it's still out there. Please continue to take precautions. I don't know why I'm trying to back off from saying that when I got a stern object lesson and needing to still take precautions in the last couple of weeks. Uh, please continue taking precautions. Uh, outside of that, please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. 
And checkmates, be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. By the way, an arraignment is not an arrest. <laughs>